Okay, so you live in Southern California, and that means you know all about the dangers of wildfire. Welcome to that club. But what can you do now? Hello, I'm Don Butts, the Fire Chief for Lakeside Fire Protection District, as well as the President for the San Diego County Fire Safe Council. Before we get to what you can actually do, what is a Fire Safe Council? The one I belong to is a countywide organization made up of community members and fire professionals that focus on first line of defense from wildfires. Education is a key point and sharing with them the importance of preparing your home, preparing yourselves and preparing your family. These fires in California in particular, but we've seen throughout the country, there's not enough firefighters and fire resources out there to protect every single house when one of these happens. You add to that some very dangerous fire weather and everybody needs to take care of their own safety. And that means getting involved with the Fire Safe Council and following programs such as Ready, Set, Go. What's that? There's three steps. Getting ready, get set, and then go when you need to leave. That sounds simple enough, but get ready to go because Don has a lot to offer. Getting ready has a couple phases. The first phase is defensible space, creating defensible space around your home. What we're looking for there is 100 feet of clearance. There is a zone one, which is 30 feet from your house, which we're removing all combustibles and limiting the combustible vegetation. Now, that includes a lot of things. There's bark or mulch around the house and any vegetation that's lower than your knee. It also includes wooden fencing and decks and bird's nests that hang out under the eaves, patio furniture, big trees next to windows, and of course, firewood. Basically, if you think it can burn, it needs to be replaced with a non-combustible option or just removed. Here's an example. If you have wood fencing, think about changing out that wood fencing, particularly anywhere where you're within five to 10 feet of the structure, because we've seen that a fence on an acre piece of property will catch fire 100 feet from the house, but that fence will burn right up to and through to the house. And then that's how that fire actually penetrated the house was there was direct flame because of wood fence. Okay, you have a nice 30-foot fireproof perimeter around your house. What's next? The first 30 is cleared, very well groomed. The next 70 out to that 100-foot mark is where we're thinning native vegetation and removing large concentrations of native vegetation, which are highly flammable. And that's to protect your house. The second part to that is the hardening of your home. Now, hardening of your home basically means your home is prepared for wildfire or an ember storm. It does not mean fireproof. Home hardening addresses the most vulnerable components of your house with building materials and installation techniques that increase resistance to heat and flames and embers that come with most wildfires. Some of the things you can do to harden your home is, if you've got an existing home, retrofit ember-resistant vents. The gable ends, the ends of the house, when you look up at the attic area, it's vented because your house has to breathe to be healthy. Uh, we don't want to trap moisture. Trapping moisture creates mold and mildew and all sorts of other issues. But by trying to keep the house healthy and not have that mold, we have to have airflow. That airflow also allows for embers to enter or penetrate the house. So we're talking about removing those vents and replacing them with an ember-resistant vent, which basically creates a baffling system so those embers don't go all the way through. What is the baffling system? What's it made of? Is it a screen? 
Actually, we have found that the screens don't work. They've done laboratory tests where if an ember hits that screen with a Santa Ana wind or just a good strong wind, what ends up happening is that ember continues to burn until it gets to a size small enough then to pass through that screen. So this baffling system creates a series of right-hand turns or 90-degree turns. So as it moves through the system, it eventually gets caught in a pocket where the, the wind speed isn't able to push it through. Now, besides the baffling system, here are some other ways to harden your home. If you replace your windows with double-paned windows that are uh, metal-clad or have a metal frame, we found that the vinyl windows that are double-paned, if there's no metal frame to it, the heat will loosen or weaken the, the vinyl, and the window panes will actually fall out. So that's why we suggest double-paned windows, your garage doors, and any of the doors around the house. Make sure your weather seal is still intact. Easiest way to tell that is if you can see the light underneath the door around the edges, then the weather seal's gone, and that's how embers can gain intrusion into the house as well. So you want to stop the flames from getting close to your home, and you certainly want to keep them from coming in. And remember, your home's made of wood. It will burn if it's given the chance. So now that you've prepared your living space, the next step, get set. We want to create a wildfire action plan. So similar to when we were all young and we going through school, we talked about doing fire drills. And then we did exit drills in the home. So we teach kids that when the smoke detector goes off, go, you know, there should be two ways out of every single room in the house, the door you came in, maybe a window. So using that same approach, we need to develop an action plan. So if there is a wildfire, what are we gonna do? So in advance, put together such things as, what's the meeting location gonna be for your family? If you have to get evacuated and somebody's away, where do you meet? What's the spot you're going to meet at? And I encourage you not to make it down the street, but pick an area outside, maybe the next town over. You know, the Walmart parking lot and the town just east of you, that might be a, the place to go to, for example. That evacuation plan should also make provisions for your pets and large animals. We see this all the time that people trying to walk their horses out. If you live in a fire prone area, I highly encourage you to trailer train your large animals so they know how to get into a trailer, they're comfortable with it. You can't take any horse and walk it in and put it and load it in the back of a trailer. So again, I want to advocate, train those animals that you're going to transport, even your household pets. Do you have a crate to put your dog in? You don't want your three cats in the car with you trying to evacuate, running around the car. So, you know, are they crate trained and do we have a place to take care of them once we get to wherever we're going. Do you have the food they need? Are there any medication, just like for yourself? That brings us to a supply list. Red Cross has got the greatest list out there for supplies. A little point here is if you're on prescription medication, try to have a ready, set, go bag either in your trunk of your car or somewhere in the garage where you know you can grab it and go. The other thing I encourage people to do is all your important documents, scan them and upload them to the cloud. Okay, that's birth certificates, marriage licenses, professional licenses, passports, church records, property deeds, loan documents, lease agreements, financial information. And don't forget your insurance documents and also visit your insurance policy. Make sure you understand what you're truly being covered for and what you're not being covered for. I'm in the business and thank goodness not going what I haven't suffered a fire, but I know other firefighters who did and they were like shocked that they were underinsured or didn't understand their insurance policy and what it covered. So go through that document. 
Okay, once all the paperwork is organized and safe, put a list together of all the important things you need to remember to take with you so you're not scrambling around during an evacuation. In our family, we have a list by room that says these are the things that are going to go. And my wife had to actually utilize that list when I was away on a fire. She was going to be evacuated. So my daughter and her sat and pulled out the list and, okay, out of the bedroom comes these three items, out of this. And they had the card loaded in 15 minutes ready to go, as opposed to trying to stop and think about where the stuff's at. And if all this is getting a little too much to remember, Don has an easy memory trick. Remember the six Ps. It's people and pets. It's your papers, phone numbers, and important documents. It's prescriptions, vitamins, and eyeglasses, pictures and irreplaceable memorabilia, personal computer, hard drives, and disks, and then plastics, your credit cards, and any cash that you may have on hand. Those six Ps, when you're ready to go, that should be identified on your list that you have for your house so you know what to hit and what to pick up and move. What about knowing the neighborhood and talking to your neighbors about the concerns that they may have? Maybe there's somebody down the street who has a disabled person on the second floor, for example, and maybe they're going to be away uh, at a crucial moment, that sort of thing. Uh, to what extent do you advocate neighborhood organizations? Well, I belong to the San Diego County Fire Safe Council, which is a countywide, but the local fire safe councils, the neighborhood fire safe councils, that's where that work gets done. I think the strongest frontline defense for us is our neighborhood watch type programs, which is what I think fire safe councils are. They're the fire services version of neighborhood watch. And going back to your question, yes, sharing that, hey, I'm going to be out of town. You know, my dad's at home. Would you mind keeping an eye on him? The neighbor-to-neighbor -neighbor approach is always the best because as first responders who get there, you're going to know, hey, I know that Don's not home, but his father's there and his father may need some help. So I'm going to go down and check on him or maybe we can move him to one of his son's or his daughter's house for a while until this thing blows over. That's a type of proactive work that needs to be done. And I know it's like a lot, but we live in an environment that is a fire-prone environment anyhow. And then climate change is simply accelerating that impact and magnifying that impact. Okay, so the fire has come and you got to go. Well, that brings a good point. Don't wait for that fire to come. If you think you need extra time, if you're uncomfortable, if you definitely live in a community that has only one way in and one way out, or in normal conditions, it's congested for traffic. I highly encourage you to self-evacuate long before the fire department and law enforcement give you that order. Think about relocating out of the area. And if we have people who are medically fragile, if we have people that have mobility needs that need a little extra time, don't wait for us to say go. If you see smoke on the horizon, get your stuff packed and loaded and then go get lunch someplace. Go out to dinner out of the neighborhood and let some time go by. All right. What are some other hot tips? Make sure your car is backed in so you're not backing out into traffic. You're pulling into traffic. That's always a safer bet. You also want to leave the lights on in your home. That helps us find your house in the dark. And that patio light in the back, leave that on for us because if we're out there at night and the power's still on, it just helps us with visibility. I've known quite a few firefighters, including myself, that we ran around the back of a house with the fire getting ready to bump it and either almost fell in the pool or fell in the pool because it was dark and smoky conditions and a little bit of extra light might help. So definitely give us that light. 
And then uh, shut off the air conditioning, any heavy drapes that you have, that nice lacy curtain, pull them out of the way or take them down if you can. Shut all your windows and doors. Ready, Set, Go talks about leaving them unlocked, but I would say lock them if we need to get in. We're firefighters. We have the ability, we have the training to force entry if we need to. Just lock it. It's just as easy, and there's a peace of mind. And finally, something else that you might not have thought of. If there's a garden hose, leave it out where we can see it. Don't turn it on. Just leave it set, ready to go. There's many times as the engineer where I would back the fire truck to your house, the captain and the firefighter would pull the hoses. I grab that garden hose and put it into my tank. And if I was there for 10 minutes, I probably got 30 to 40 gallons while I was waiting there. So that's 30 to 40 gallons. I don't have to stop at a hydrant and take out all the hose. So those garden hoses are highly effective. And then use your checklist, make sure your supplies are with you and get on the road. If you're in an area where you think you're going to encounter some of the uh, heat, long sleeve shirt, long sleeve pants, closed toed shoes, sneakers, something like that, that has some mobility. Might want to think about a bandana to cover your face and some goggles, some safety goggles to protect your eyes from the embers. If you're in there, I encourage you to get out of the area before you get subject to that. But if you get trapped on a road, you might have to leave your vehicle or you might have to drive through this stuff. If you're driving through the stuff, the smoke and everything and the embers, if your car has the ability to do a research, circulate on that, turn that on. Because what that does is stops bringing outside air into your vehicle. So turn the research on. If it doesn't have that option, turn it off. I know it's going to get warm, but you'll breathe fresher air in that cab for that short time until you get through the smoke. What do you say to people who live in areas which haven't experienced fires before, who really believe that uh, they're not going to uh, be subject to them? This is applicable not just to wildland fire. I mean, we're focusing on this, but you're ready, set. Other than what's the trigger at the go point, could be a chemical release, it could be a large structure fire, it could be a water break, a flood, a, a tsunami. There's all sorts of other conditions that this disaster preparedness approach can address. A simple thing, you know, we had an active shooter in Southern California just recently. You might have to relocate because law enforcement's knocking on your door and saying, you know, we need to move you out of here because there's a crime of violence occurring. So these steps are applicable to any disaster. And for those that live on the coast or in the city and feel that they don't live in the backcountry, the normal Heights fire in San Diego, I know that was a while ago, but that was literally three miles, four miles from the beach. The Poinsettia fire was actually burned to within a mile and a half of the beach in the city of Carlsbad a couple of years back. So Anywhere in Southern California, I think the Ready, Set, Go program should be a minimum for individual preparedness and responsibility. So once again, remember the three steps. Get ready, making sure all flammable material is cleared around your home and harden your home so embers don't get in. Get set by making plans with your family, your neighbors, your roommates. Make a supply list and scan those documents to the cloud. And finally, go. Don't wait evacuate. These steps help you and firefighters like Don ensure the next fire season isn't worse than it needs to be. 